day, everyone. Back for another episode of Plague Diaries. And uh, yeah, I, my original intention was to do these every week, but um, you know, during the whole duration of this thing. But I think I've kind of fallen behind on that. Uh, just uh, to let you guys know, we started uh, producing new episodes of Necromaniacs, which is uh, the horror podcast that I did with Mike Scandato. We took a really long break. I think the last episode was the Halloween episode in 2019, so a good eight or nine months off on doing the show, but uh, we're back in action. It's going to be weekly, so um, one of my biggest uh, beefs about doing that show is that we weren't putting out episodes enough, or on a more regular basis, I wanted to, you know, take it seriously, like I take, uh, you know, Metal Matters, which is a weekly show that comes out with Gimme Radio. That's been taking up a lot of my time, um, as well as my job, which has been a real pain in the ass lately, and uh, the production of the new Tombs record. Minutes before this recording, I listened to the final mixes of the last two songs of this entire session. So I think we're all set. I think we got everything nailed. And uh, mastering is in a couple of days, and uh, I think it's a wrap. So yeah, we're looking forward to getting this thing out. Um, the title of the record is called Under Sullen Skies, and uh, it's, it's long. It's a long one, uh, over an hour. Uh, I mean, a lot of our records have been pretty long, but uh, this one feels uh, at least in duration, it feels epic. I'll leave it up to you guys to decide whether or not the material is epic. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm excited, man. It's uh, probably, I mean, I probably say this every time we put out a record, but this feels like the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life. I have to say, um, the Grand Annihilation, I did not have those feelings. And uh, that record is going to go down, I think, in our catalog as the Cold Lake of the Tombs catalog, in my opinion. Uh, it's a record I kind of wish uh, could be taken out of, um, you know, out of circulation and uh, erased from, uh, <laughs> from the band's career. So, yeah, but that's the past. Um, there's, this is the, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of times passed between now and then. We got the you know, Monarchy of Shadows record just came out just a couple months ago. And based on what I've been told, this new LP is going to be out at the end of the year. So I know uh, with the global pandemic uh, wreaking havoc on everyone's schedules, there's a probably a possibility that it's going to get pushed into uh, 2021. But I haven't heard otherwise. And I know that these record labels have a schedule that they work with and everything's been planned out for the entire year. And, um, I know other labels have been pushing stuff back, but, um, you know, season of mist hasn't said anything to me about this thing being delayed. So, um, just proceeding, you know, as, uh, with the original plans, we got a bunch of guests on this uh, record, which that's kind of been the trend, I guess. And, um, you know, sort of unintentionally the trend, we always got some guest players, but this one's got some real, real great um, additional musicians, guest musicians on it. 
Andy Thomas from Black Crown Initiate, who also spent about a year playing in tombs, uh, provided a solo for one of the tracks. And uh, Andy's an incredible player, and I think he did a great job on the solo. It's very tasteful, very melodic. Uh, Ray Suhey, who you guys might know him from a number of different places, but he's like sort of this guitarist virtuoso a uh, master or a true master of the instrument and um you might know him from playing in six feet under um he was in cannabis corpse uh he was in east of the wall which is a, a you know sort of a uh, i would call them a little bit of a legendary band out here in new jersey uh, a lot of the guys in the band were um you know been around for a while doing the band for a bunch of years um, Brett from Revocation uh, was also in this band for a period of time, uh, one of the founders, I believe. So Ray also played in this band. And um, man, I got to tell you, when I heard his solo, it, it almost it, it almost brought tears to my eyes on how amazing it was. I mean, amazing in the same way that I listened to like, Yuli Roth or something like that from the Scorpions or Michael Schenker or, you know, one of those old school heavy metal era 1980 guitarists. And it was like his solo was a piece of music in and of itself. And uh, I mean that like truly. I mean, I'm not just trying to like, you know, hype up the record. But if you buy this record, you should buy it only for Ray's solo. I mean, if that's the only reason why you picked this up, you, you will have spent your money well because uh, I was just blown away. I listened, I, listened to his, I listened to that part of the song over and over again, and um, each time, it's like the first time. So that's Ray. Uh, we got uh, Sarah Timms from a bunch of different bands. She was in you know, Black Mare, Ides of Gemini, Black Math Horseman, uh, providing some backing vocals and she's been on a few um, tombs records and uh, she always does a great job adding this very ethereal atmospheric voice to the song and um, the track that we did together I think it, it's it's um let's put it this way it's something that I've been trying to achieve since the beginning of the band and I think that finally on this song I kind of achieved that goal so it was really cool to have Sarah be part of that. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm just blown away by it. We got Todd Stern, who uh, played a solo on this record. Uh, Todd is in Hammer Fight and uh, Psychroptic, uh, great bands from, uh, from Down Under. And um, yeah, he's just been around for a while, uh, another Jersey guy. Not saying that I'm a Jersey guy, but the dudes in my band are all ex are all J Jersey guys who played in tons of bands down here. I mean, I do live in New Jersey, but uh, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm a carpetbagger. You know, I just moved here like uh, less than two months ago. But so Todd's uh, on the on the record too. Does an incredible solo. La well, we also have some other additional vocalists here, and these are um, these are pretty cool. My good friend Paul Delaney. My brother, Paul Delaney from Black Anvil, does some guest vocals. Uh, I, Paul and I have been friends for a really long time. I've got nothing but respect for Black Anvil. Um, 
in, in a lot of ways, I feel like teams in Black Anvil are sort of uh, related in a lot of ways. I mean, we both sort of formed around the same time in Brooklyn, um, around a time when people weren't really doing the kind of stuff that we were doing. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I always feel a very strong connection to Paul and Rafe. And, you know, it's the core of that band is Paul and Rafe, and they've had different guys. You know, Gary from Kill Your Idols was a founding member, but he moved on to doing something else. Um, you know, there's different people have been in and out of that band. And similar to Tombs, who I guess I'm the last man standing in this band, but, uh, you know, we've had a lot of different lineup changes, but the intentions have always stayed the same. And that's why I feel like the three of us are kind of on the same page. And last but not least, we have Dwid Hellion from Integrity, a band that uh, I've, I've been a huge, huge fan of that band since since the 90s, like basically since I um, I discovered them, they stood out amongst a lot of uh, other hardcore bands and, you know, specifically records that came out on Victory. I feel like Integrity was always off to the side. Like they, I mean, they were a popular band. I remember like, you know, very, very much people being into them, but aesthetically they always resonated more with me than say Strife, a band that I just never really listened to them. And, uh, you know, the basketball jersey vibe, the, um, you know, that kind of hardcore guy thing was never something I related to. Um, but the integrity vibe with like the evil and the, you know, the occult imagery and, you know, these kind of, um, you know, very uh, nihilistic uh, viewpoints, I think fit really well with the kind of stuff I was into around that time. I mean, I was in, you know, I was heavily into neurosis, uh, buzz oven, today is the day. Uh, you know, Dead Guy was a band that was like, you know, actually Dead Guy was kind of the gateway to me finding um, integrity, like Dead Guy and Bloodlet were the two bands on Victory that I dug. And as a result, it sort of brought my attention to Victory Records. And I saw that there was this band called Integrity and they had a record out called Humanity is the Devil. And that made me feel like they were a little bit different than the other bands like Snapcase and Strife. And uh, yeah, I just never really got into that stuff, you know? And, um, but yeah, Integrity, check them out. Back when I was a young, young man making my way in the world. And um, yeah, super, you know, just metallic. There was this element of brutality. There was this dark vibe. Um, I mean, it was heavy. There was a lot of bands that were heavy that I just wasn't that into that were hardcore bands. They had this metallic edge, but they were, their songs had to do more about gang violence and, you know, like life on the streets and stuff like that. And that wasn't ever really my thing either, though I do like some of that music. Um, it didn't hit me as hard as bands like Integrity did. And I guess, I guess you would call Integrity a metalcore band, for lack of a better term. I guess that's a legit title for them. But anyway, over the last couple of years, Dwight and I have had a correspondence and we've grown to, to be, you know, friendly. And uh, I went out on a limb and I asked him if he'd do backing vocals on uh, this one track called The Hunger. And um, he, you know, he, he obliged and he sent over some tracks and they sounded amazing. And I'm really, really excited about that song. And uh, it's a song that actually 
I don't know if I should be saying this or not, but it, it almost started out as like a joke track. It was something that I wanted to put maybe on a seven inch. And I was like, you know what, man? I love Sam Hain. I love Danzig. Uh, I love the first three Danzig records. I love John Christ, you know, like, you know, that original lineup. And um, I wanted to sort of pay homage to that era, like that creative statement in Glenn's career, you know, specifically Sam Hain, because they had like the lyrics in the in Sam Hain were like some of the best lyrics ever written in like hardcore punk, metal, goth, whatever you want to call it, dark music. So, um, yeah, I wrote the song The Hunger, and it's um, heavily influenced by Danzig 1 and the entire Sam Hain catalog. And I know that Dwid is a big Sam Hain fan. So it made sense to ask him to, uh, to be on the track. And I, it's one of my favorite tracks on the record. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And um, I hope you're as enthusiastic about it as I am. So, yeah, so that's... Um, that's the record, man. It's done. Uh, I never, it, it, I, I, for some reason, it just felt like, out of all the things that I've done creatively, this felt like the biggest sort of travail. Um, I feel like I started working on this record very intensely for a really long time. I felt like it took about seven or eight months for this thing to become come into being. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Season of Mist wanted or, uh, to have a record out in 2020, an LP, a full length, in addition to the EP. So there was this uh, pressure cooker like timetable that, you know, I'm not going to say that it was imposed on us, but we were working under a very, um, <laughs> a very imposing schedule. There you go. And um, I guess like, you know, we all rose to the occasion, you know, uh, I mean, Justin wrote three songs, Matt wrote a song, I wrote a bunch of stuff on it, you know, the lyrics, you know, I wrote all the lyrics, um, there's all these different contributors, and um, yeah, the lyric writing, I think that all of the journaling, I guess, if you call it, and, and notebook writing that I did, really helped out this time around, because um Anyone out there who writes songs and writes lyrics, I, I highly recommend you to keep a, a book handy that you just write in, even if it's stuff you don't use, even if it's just phrases that you hear someone say or you're reading a book or you're watching a movie and something sticks in your head, write it down because that's literally where the ideas came for all these songs. You know, you kind of filter through them and, and there's this uh, continuum of thought that you start connecting the dots with all these things you write down. And uh, from all those raw materials, um, you can write pretty concise creative statements. And, uh, and that's, that's how I did the lyrics on this record. I mean, that's, essentially that's how I do all the lyrics on all the records, but I felt like in the last like 16 to 18 months, I was really... Uh, pretty diligent about working in my notebooks and um, and this is like definitely pays off and I started a brand new notebook after we completed the record and um, and I've been writing in that for one of the you know the next thing that we do so I'm always trying to keep capture these ideas because the uh, 
you know, they're like phantoms dancing at the edge of your consciousness, man. They're these shadows at the edge of the campfire that are barely visible and they just disappear if you don't capture it, if you don't trap that dancing vision it'll go away and it'll be lost forever. So yeah, I uh, highly recommend doing that. I've been diligent about it and it definitely pays off. So yeah, real excited about the record and there'll be, there'll be news and uh, tracks being released over the next few months, hopefully. So uh, Val Noir is doing the album cover and um, I mean, I, I shouldn't even have to tell anybody who he is. He's, you know, great artist and um, guy that, I'm looking forward to doing more work with. This morning, I did my second COVID-19 test. And uh, this time, uh, my, my right nostril seemed to be loosened up, so I was able to jab that swab really deep into my nasal cavity. So, so that's done. Um, I wanted to stay on this program of getting tested every month, and um, so I stuck with it. It's funny because over the weekend I was Friday came around and I was pretty exhausted and, you know, had to take a nap. I had a headache. I woke up on Saturday and I noticed I was coughing and I was like, oh, geez, I got, I got coronavirus. I'm going to die or whatever. I'm going to pass it on to people. So pretty much right then and there, I, I scheduled uh, another visit um, through, you know, Project Baseline. And I just you know, went down to the same Rite Aid and scheduled it for today. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just for, you know, for peace of mind, if nothing else. And, you know, I haven't seen my parents since probably before March, actually. Probably the last time I saw my parents was February. And I got a really, t really close relationship with them. And, and this is really a long time for me not to see them. And uh, I would rather have the peace of mind of knowing that um, I'm disease free when I go and visit them because you know, they're getting older uh, They're in good health, but they're not you know, they got their problems man. It's like, you know if you, When you get to be above 70 years old, there's always something you know what I mean? So I want to make sure I'm good because I want to see them before the summer really kicks into full swing and uh, You know all that sort of stuff. So I went ahead and I did this test. I should be getting the results uh, emailed to me in the next few days. And, you know, I'm sure everything's going to be cool because <laughs> aside from uh, being in the studio, I haven't really seen anybody. I've just been, hang, hang, you know, holed up here doing my thing, working at home, um, you know, training as hard as I can within the confines of my place here. I ended up buying one of these uh, water base mounted water based it's like a, a base mounted heavy bag with this like water tank as the base and uh it's not the best thing in the world but i can't really kick it very hard uh i can't lay into it full on but it's allowing me to get a good workout in every day and uh one of the one of the cooler things i also got is um this kind of door mounted speed bag which I've been taking full advantage of that. And that that's actually one of the cooler things that I've purchased is during this pandemic quarantine related to uh, health and conditioning and that kind of stuff. And uh, speed bag's always been a fun training uh, exercise for me. I always enjoyed doing that. 
And, uh, you know, we're in the 2020 kettlebell shortage, so I'm still, I only have one kettlebell. It's a 25-pounder, so kind of light. Uh, probably should be using something a lot heavier than that, but I can't even order uh, kettlebells. I don't even know where to find them anymore. Um, <laughs> everyone's sold out. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I look on Amazon and, and some, you know, you buy stuff on Amazon and, and like sometimes uh, – you get something that you didn't really expect. So if I'm going to buy a piece of equipment like a kettlebell, I want to go to a reliable source. So I go, you know, to Rogue Fitness or on it and uh you know, I feel like if if you you buy one of these like off-brand kettlebells, you might get uh something that's labeled 25 pounds, but it might actually be like 18 pounds or something. You know what I'm trying to say? And uh I I would rather buy something from a legit source that I know has been vetted and I trust. So, so I got that one kettlebell. I got one of those thick ass, like tie jump ropes, which, uh, that's like a whole new thing <laughs> if you've never used those. And, uh, that's been a huge part of my training for ever since I started doing Muay Thai is, uh, jumping one of those thick ass, like tie, you know, weighted tie ropes. And, uh, yeah, I just been been keeping it together, man. I've been making it happen. And um the workouts really have been the saving grace, man, because uh it gets pretty dark here by yourself and you know, I'm starting to understand uh, you know, true isolation, I guess, or at least some kind of closer understanding because I mean, I'm not completely isolated here, but uh without the stimulus, without the stimulation of leaving the house or having to leave the house every day and go to your job or going, you know, on a regular schedule, your mind starts traveling and exploring these parts of your personality that the door has probably been closed on those sections for a really long time. And you're kind of forced to look at yourself in a different way. And um, that's been like a big part of uh you know of my my sort of meditations around here and uh yeah it's been heavy man and um you know once again i don't want to be i'm trying not to I, i'm not going to be defeated by this but there's been a lot of darkness when left to this sort of device and um yeah i don't know just thinking out loud here but uh you know, it's like, it's like if you've ever taken like a, a lot of psychedelics, like if you've ever taken like a lot of high dosage of mushrooms and you're, you're in, you're walking down this like corridor and there's, you see opportunities to go down a different path that leads into like complete desolation. Or if you, avoid that somehow and you go left instead of right you're going to be okay and I guess that's kind of been like the daily grind here for me aside from all of the tasks and responsibilities I have with my job and the band and doing podcasts and all this other stuff is uh trying to steer away from the truly dark thoughts I've been having and um you know and it's just a lot of it is just stuff from the past like ways that you fuck up and people that you've hurt and mistakes that you've made and um, decisions that could have you should have taken choice a instead of choice b and how did i end up here and all these kinds of you know a myriad of different thoughts 
And, um, you know, being here by myself alone, uh, with no real idea about when things are going to change, uh, kind of forces you into that mindset. So anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's been the grind, man. That's, that's the, that's the gig, you know, that's the number you have to do here. And, um, I just want to talk real quickly, uh, about all the protests and everything that's going on and, and, um, just the insanity and the way that everyone is just at each other's throats right now and how the country is probably hasn't been this divided since the 1800s when we had the civil war. And, you know, ironically, or maybe not so ironically, those thoughts are kind of echoed in the fact that there's there's all this like debate over pulling down statues in the South and uh, you know the Confederate flag and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I mean, hey, I, I think that in history, the conquering army rewrites history, and there's no way that the Robert E. Lee Memorial should exist since we won the the North. The Union won the war and the traitorous South uh, should have to comply with with whatever ideas the triumphant Union has. And uh, I think that all those statues should have been taken down back in uh, the 1800s, in my opinion, you know, and uh, it's it's a sensitive topic. I understand that, you know, the Confederate flag, I mean, you know. I can understand uh, certain people looking at it as heritage. And if you want to fly that flag on the back of your pickup truck, that's on you. You know, that's your responsibility to answer questions about that. And then if you're a business like NASCAR and you decide that you don't want to utilize that flag anymore, that's on you too. And I think that that's a socially responsible thing to do. And, um, so I support that. I support both ideas, I guess. I support a company or business not wanting to uh, fly that flag, you know, wanting to update their image. I mean, it's the new millennium, by the, by the way. And maybe some of that stuff from the 20th century and the centuries prior should be let go at this point. Yeah, but also, if you want to, uh, you know, on a personal level, portray yourself as somebody who would fly the Confederate flag, that's up to you. And I say this fully aware that there are friends of mine, people I've you know toured with that actually look at the Confederate flag as part of their heritage. And I can still, I'm not gonna you know, alienate those people, but I have my ideas, they have their ideas. And speaking of differences of ideas, I'm not somebody who surrounds himself with people who think exactly the way I do. As a matter of fact, I have to work with people who are intelligent people, educated people, you know, people who have accomplished a lot in their careers, you know, people that I actually, you know, I get along with on a personal level, except for when it comes to politics. And all I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think we should be at each other's throats. I think that there's people out there that I work with. One guy in particular that's a you know, really heavy-duty Trump supporter. I know that sounds like infuriating, right? And yet, 
there's this duality to our relationship because though we disagree completely on anything political, I really like this guy and we get along and uh, we agree about a lot of stuff. I, th I like working with him. I respect him as a professional. And um, I think he's somebody that I trust and somebody that um, I would go to bat for him. You know, I have his back on anything, ex everything except for uh, <laughs> for politics, of course. And um, I don't know, man, I just uh, it's such a volatile time. And uh, I just think people need to broaden their ideas that not everything is black and white and there are different nuances. And that's not to say there aren't totally ignorant people out there that should be destroyed. I mean, I know that that's true for sure, but uh, that's maybe the exception than the rule. I mean, there are definitely people out there that are so far out and out of touch and completely delusional in their reality that they've, completely marginalize himself and that they shouldn't, they should be eliminated. But once again, I think that's the exception to the rule. Um, one more thing, just, uh, I mean, you know, and I think that I never really understood black lives matter until right now. And, uh, I think I might've misunderstood that, um, all these years, uh, initially, and maybe I should blame the people who came up with that phrase because uh, if you're trying to um, come up with a slogan or some sort of thing, you should eliminate all doubts. So Black Lives Matter, in my new vision, I totally support it because my new understanding of that statement is that you know, all lives matter, but that's like an empirical truth in the universe. However... At this point in history, because black people are being murdered by police, and there's like a, I mean, it's, who knows, for forever in this country, black people are being murdered by the cops or the, you know, there's been a systemic, you know, vendetta against black people. I mean, they were brought to this, they didn't come to the United States on their own. They were brought here for the most part as, as slaves and chains, and then they just, were able had to assimilate into a society that at least initially had a very much um, antagonistic uh, relationship with them. And over the last few hundred years, things have evolved for sure. But there's still this like systemic situation built into the fabric of our society, which singles African-Americans out as the other, you know, the scapegoat. Uh, you know, and, and I think that now is the time for the awareness of that to come to the forefront. And that's what Black Lives Matter means. At least that's what it means to me. And like, I get confused about a lot of this political stuff, honestly. Um, you know, I'm always suspicious of groups. I'm always suspicious of extremists such as the far left and the far right. And, um, people who are out there doing violence, I don't think are necessarily, uh, on the right page, you know, and, um, you know, the whole Antifa thing. I mean, I've, I've made a lot of statements about how I don't agree with Antifa and I will never, ever, ever believe in Antifa. I'll never support anything. Even though we agree on the dogma, 
I just don't think it's the right thing to do to go out there and fuck shit up wearing a wearing a ski mask. You know, I don't think that that's um, a solution. That's uh, a positive thing. Protesting, yes. You know, if you want to have like a standoff with the police, you know, sure. If you want to go out there and destroy someone else's property, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, there's a there's a nuance to that too. If you want to go out there and bust up a Starbucks or like, uh, you know, bust up a Chase Bank or you know, throw throw a, a bottle through a window of a police station or something like that, go go do that. If you're gonna if you feel like you need to go out and be violent, maybe that's the kind of violence you should do. But if you're gonna bust up someone's store, someone's shop, especially now, where that shop has been closed for three months, and this guy's like put his life into into something and it's really really precarious it might not even reopen because the economic drain on being shut down for all this time you know if you and your little friends want to get together with your ski masks and your anarchy anarchy symbols and like bust up that guy's place then i think you've completely lost the plot of what this is all about so i don't know i just think do what you want man you know but you got to be responsible, you know, and I guess that's kind of my, um, for lack of a better term, Levain, Levain sort of uh, philosophy kicking in here where it's like, yeah, do, do, do what you want. You know, I think, uh, I think it was Alistair Crowley who said, do what thou wilt and uh, be able to fully experience what those consequences are and not and and not shirk away from your responsibility and the consequences of your actions you know so yeah that's uh that's it for today i gotta get back to work got a fuck ton of things to do today and um i hope everyone's staying safe everyone's staying healthy and uh, thanks for listening. I know that probably the number of you guys that are listening to this particular podcast have been probably dwindling a little bit, but thanks for listening. And um, yeah, if you haven't checked out Metal Matters, uh, check that out. That's where every week I got something coming out. And then real soon, we'll be relaunching Necromaniacs with myself, Mike Scandato, who I founded this thing with, and our brand new co-host, Jeff Caxide, formerly of Isis and Palms. And uh, Jeff and I have been friends forever. And um, it, it's a no-brainer that we're working together on, on a podcast because he's a, you know, another movie guy, loves films and, you know, loves to talk too. So keep an eye out in July. That will be relaunching. And I hope everyone has a good day. Be safe and take care. Yeah.